0: Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker. And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, mark winning picks Lawrence.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards, week number six, seven, I should say, of the National Football League, six weeks in the bank, week number seven in college football. And what that means to me is we're at the halfway point in college football, if you can believe that. And we're also rocking and rolling with our publications. Congratulations to Victor King from the Totals tip sheet on another sweep in the totals tip sheet last week, Victor Tippa, they had to you, and I'm sure your week was a good one last week as well.
2: Thank you. Now, Tuco did suffer his first loss of the year, unfortunately. However, we did sweep with the over-under best bets, as you mentioned, 13-3. Now, the last four weeks, uh, we're pleased with those results. It looks like a sweep of the midweek alert newsletter, I might add, as well. And also wanted to throw in the fact that uh, I think he did a really nice job with that four-star... Perfect system game of the year in college football on the Pitt Panthers on Saturday. Outright dog winners over Duke. And then finishing the weekend with the 49ers on Monday night. A sharp play as well. I say sharp, Mark, because the Browns were one of the biggest public underdog plays uh, in primetime game on Monday night. It's not too often in the primetime games that you're going to get a huge percentage of the public money on the underdog that you'd like going the other way. But you said lay it with the Niners, and it wasn't even close. So uh, nicely done there with the San Francisco 49ers. But before we get into our segments, I got to take you to task for a minute here, Mark, because I've gotten a couple of emails in the last couple of days, and the emails suggest that you can blame. Baker Mayfield's poor start this season on Mark Lawrence. And I say that because back in March, <laughs> Mark decided to put Baker Mayfield on as the cover boy in the Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine. And let me see now, two years ago, it was Tom Brady on the cover, and he got embarrassed in the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles last year. I see that uh, oh Mr. Saban of Alabama was on the cover. He got embarrassed in the national championship game. And again, I got a couple customers that are saying that the reason that Baker Mayfield has suffered so bad, he's the 31st ranked quarterback in the NFL is because you decided to put him on the cover. Is this a new cover jinx? What's going on here?
1: I'd like to think not, Victor. I was really glad and happy to to have had the opportunity to put Baker Mayfield on the cover. And Charles, as you know, did a masterful job mocking up that cover. And it looks really terrific. But uh, unfortunately for Mayfield and the Browns, it hasn't worked out well that way. And we're going to get into that a little bit uh, at the back end of our opening segment here when we get into our rant. And we've got a lot to rant about with the Cleveland Browns. But we'll save that to the end of this opening segment. Uh, Let's kick it off with college football, if we will, Victor. And uh, I got to say this, uh, doing our usual spin of what we learned uh, so far in the world of college football is what I've learned is that we've got nine undefeated teams in college football this year that all legitimately have a chance to make the college football playoffs. And I'm talking legitimate chances Uh, of the nine, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, Wisconsin, Florida and Penn State, obviously matchups, head-to-head matchups coming down the road are going to determine exactly which teams bow out and which ones continue to move forward here. But of those nine undefeated teams, as you know, Victor, I love to I hand-log every stat of every game into my stat and logbook. And I when I do that, I chart best efforts and worst efforts from each team along the way so I can chart and see exactly where the strengths and weaknesses of the teams are. And in hand-logging these teams thus far this football season here, two things that stand out to me. What I've learned is this. Number one, this Alabama defense is not the Alabama defense that we've come Mm -hmm. to love and admire in the past. Uh, And it's no excuses here because they've really played a very, very soft schedule. Uh, And I don't know if it's just playing down to that level and it will rise as the season progresses, but that's one thing because I'm always charting Alabama's defenses and marking down number one lows, number one lows, number one lows. And they've only got two of them so far this football season here. There's nothing wrong with having two of them but it's only two for Alabama, where they would normally have all season lows at this point in the football season. The team that jumps out the most of these undefeated teams is the Ohio State Buckeyes, yep. and it's and it's not just because uh, you know of the obvious of what we've seen on the scoreboard and uh, what they've done uh, out of the gate here, just just dominating each of their football games in impressive fashion, scoring. Uh, 34 or more points in every game, but they've held all six opponents to season low yardage marks this year. Uh, Not even the best Alabama football teams, uh, maybe one or two were six for six out of the gate, but the Ohio State defense has become the real strength of this football team. And keep that in mind uh, when in two weeks they've got a collision with Wisconsin coming up and uh, that's going to be a dandy of a football game because wisconsin's one of these undefeated teams here as well that's one of my takes of what i've learned so far this college football season what about you victor what have you got at the top of your what you've learned list on the show this week
2: well we talked about it as our college football game of the week it looks like the gators are for real a very big signature win and in fact they're the team that jumped up the most in the ap top 25 rankings Three full spots to number seven as they took down and gave Auburn their first loss of the season. A nice call by you when we talked about that game last week on the show. So you mentioned the uh, undefeated teams that have a shot of going all the way. You also want to throw your hats off to Boise State, also a undefeated team leading the Mountain West Conference And we've got Wake Forest at 5-0, having a good season in the ACC. The SMU Mustangs are a 6-0 team. It's been a few years, but seeing Baylor at 5-0 is a nice thing to see. And, of course, Memphis from the AAC, also an undefeated team at 5-0 on the season. And dropping from the rankings, or from the top 25 at least, from last week based on losses, Washington, Central Florida, and is that actually two losses in a row for Central Florida? That's kind of surprising, but also Oklahoma State falling out of the rankings and Michigan State. You mentioned the big teams who are uh, 5-0, and but again, uh, there are some others out there, as I mentioned, the teams like the Mustangs and the Bears and the Tigers that are surprising and refreshing to see in the top 25.
1: Yeah, to say the least, uh, you know, it's nice to talk about this time of the year and it gets into the second stage of the football season where we begin charting undefeated teams and the heavier weight that they draw upon themselves that they have to carry moving forward. One, to stay undefeated and two, to overcome the odds makers, odds that are that are laid heavily on them as their odds continue to grow with these undefeated teams that remain very popular with the betting public. I gotta say this also, Victor, that what I've come to learn to know is that the Miami Florida Hurricanes made a bad hire in Manny Diaz, mm. and it, you know it's not so much that uh, we're on the scene here and on top of everything because if you recall the circumstances, Manny Diaz had signed to be a head coach with Temple, opting to leave the Miami program as its defensive coordinator, and then within the week, Miami turned around and offered him the head coaching job, and he did a U-turn. He left Temple and came right back to Miami to take on the head coaching job. And everybody down here was thrilled. Uh, it's a very, very uh, highly populated Latino community, and Manny Diaz fit real well into the community in that sense and very popular as a defensive coordinator. But he is showing to me that he is uh, the epitome of a Peter principal coach that has risen to the level of a head coach, who isn't capable of being that? He's much, much better as a defensive coordinator. And it's becoming apparent with this Miami of Florida football team here. Their offense is still stagnant. I know they put up 500 yards last week against Virginia Tech, but that was after falling behind 28 to nothing to start the football game. So a lot of those were catch up yards, if you will, in the football contest when Virginia Tech's defense turned very, very soft in the game here. Uh, that's one take I have on coaching. The other take I have on coaching and what I've learned so far this year, Victor, is that Chip Kelly is not the answer at UCLA. I think Chip Kelly's best days are long in the rear view mirror. They started with his uh, nonstop offenses that he had in the National, fo- or in Oregon, I should say, when he just completely overwhelmed teams with that whole new concept that he had. He took it to the National Football League and was quasi-successful, probably not what they anticipated. And he ends up back at UCLA here, and they are in over their heads, this football program right now. And I don't know if it's a, because of this uh, big, huge youth movement that they've got. they got a lot of young kids playing here, but they're not grasping on to Chip Kelly's football program here, and I think sooner than later, he may end up being a two-year coach at UCLA if things don't turn around, and I just don't see it happening for the UCLA Bru- LA Bruins uh, this football season here. That's my take on the college football side of things, and one more before I hand over to you, Victor. I want to also make note, there are there are a total of 11, count them, 11 5-0 college football fat cats going out as favorites this week. And if you read the Playbook Football Newsletter, you'll know that we fade these 5-0 and teams in Game 6 when they come favor because it's a very, very strong play against situation here. A lot of plays with a, a really strong percentage, near the 60% mark overall, just fading them on the blind. Check out these fat cats in this week's Playbook Newsletter. I'll mention this to our podcast listeners that we missed two of them in the newsletter and we're redoing the newsletter here. We missed Memphis and we missed Boise, but check out the list of the fat cats that are on tap this week in college football. One more time, Victor, your take on whatever else it is that you learned in the world of college football last week.
2: Well, we finally got a Saturday that uh, we can lick our chops over and that's this Saturday in college football. I know that we've mentioned a couple of times over the last few podcasts, how the, college football card was pretty lousy overall, but we've finally gotten to the best Saturday of the season thus far. And that's this coming Saturday, uh, fantastic games viewer appeal. We're going to talk about one of those games, the red river rivalry game down in big D, but there are some other great ones out there. I mean, the Florida LSU game, both undefeated both ranked in the top 10, both doing it very differently. Should be a great game to watch Penn state and Iowa in the big 10 conference. Number 10 Nittany lions are explosive. They lead the big 10 in plays of 50 plus yards, eight of them on the season, but they've had a relatively light schedule thus far. Uh, We got USC, Notre Dame. No, it's not uh, John McKay against era Parsegan, but it's still a glamorous and traditional matchup with, you know, plenty of, Uh, current day stakes, if you will. Uh, Even Florida State-Clemson, I know it's a down year for Florida State, but it is still a classic ACC rivalry down here. You can throw in the Michigan State-Wisconsin game, uh, both pretty good. Well, Wisconsin is uh, for sure. Alabama-Texas A&M should be a great game in the SEC uh, West Division. Uh, Washington versus Arizona as well. So I'm looking forward to the best Saturday of the season.
1: Yeah, we've got some really, really attractive games on tap this week here. As you mentioned here, four games involving top-ranked football teams, and that always makes for must-watch television. And as you say, we will be hitting on the Red River rivalry game between Texas and Oklahoma in just a moment when we get to our college football game of the week. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports as we review what we've learned uh, on the football cards last week. And, Victor, let's take it over to the National Football League side of things. And uh, what I've got to say about what I've learned here on the National Football League side of things was a little bit of a follow-up to the rant we, we did last week. The rant, I should say that closed out with what you did last week with the Washington Redskins and how pathetic they've been. And yep, it sure happened. Daniel Snyder <laughs> <laughs> ends up firing Jay Gruden and proving to everybody that he is the, the his massive ego. He can't get out of the way of his own massive ego, Daniel Snyder here. It's you know, it, it's and I don't really want to get into a rant on this because we're gonna save our rant for something better here. But Uh, it's apparent that Daniel Snyder does not have a clue with what it is that he's doing. He's just uh, the epitome of an owner that has a lot of money and doesn't know what to do with it and wants to use this franchise as a toy. He has not had one coach that he's hired in his tenure since owning the Redskins that has ended up having a winning record. That speaks volumes for Daniel Snyder here and what's going on with that Washington franchise here. Uh, One other quick note that I have of what I learned, Victor, before I hand off to you. I'm beginning to see the Kansas City Chiefs' defense to implode. Uh, And again, this goes to charting teams each week, week by week, and watching their progression and looking for what's happening, not on the scoreboard, but what's happening actually on the playing field here. And I'm seeing in the Kansas City Chiefs If you go back, they've been out-yarded their last two football games. Here we go. That's an Andy Reid trait once again, where his teams get out-yarded, yet he continues to win football games. Only it didn't happen last week when he was out-yarded by Indianapolis, and they lost uh, as a double-digit home favorite. And I'm going to say that it's all not so much on Patrick Mahomes. It's on the Kansas City defense. This defense is atrocious, especially against the run. I know it. National Football League coaches know it, and they're going to continue to attack him that way, his rush defense. He has got to do something or else we won't be talking about Kansas City Chiefs being in the NFL football playoffs this year. That's my take, Victor, on what I learned in the NFL so far. How about you? What other notes of wisdom do you have out of the National Football League and what you've learned?
2: To add a little fuel to what you said, it was the perfect game plan in that Sunday night game. You know, that was the biggest upset of the NFL season thus far. Many people had Kansas City in their survivor pools. Not only that, we're going to bounce it off Andy, how big that loss was because a lot of people play the money line parlays. A lot of people tie in the Sunday night favorite to uh, exotics, parlays, teasers. They all went down. I would gather that it was probably the best Sunday night outcome for books that they've had in a long season not to mention the fact that we also talked about that the not a lot of people usually play the Monday night underdog. But it was a big uh, public side, the Cleveland Browns, that just went down in flames. So the Colts had the perfect game plan. Run the ball 40 times right at the Chiefs. Uh, Marlon Mack, Jordan Wilkins. Uh, and the Colts were a team that were very, very confident heading into that game with the Kansas City Chiefs. If you're, you know, playing your Kansas City overs these days, you're not doing very well. Remember this. The best opportunity for chief overs are when they're on the road, when they're on a team that they can score against, when they're on a team that has a good passing offense against them. Uh, as long as we're in the NFL side of things, Mark, let me run down the numbers. It was pretty much a 50-50 week in terms of dogs last week, 7 up, 7 down for underdogs. They've still gone 42-33-1 on the season. That's NFL pure underdogs. Once again, it's the road dogs who have been uh, the most uh, popular thus far, 33-18-1 and and home underdogs, only 8-15 and 15 against the spread on the season. The absolute best situation this season have been NFL road underdogs coming in off a straight-up in ATS loss in their previous game. They've gone now 19-4 and ATS on the season. There are three of such dogs going this week. The Giants plus the double digits on Thursday night. Cincinnati plus the double digits against Baltimore. And Tennessee plus the small number against Denver. Uh, I'm going to throw it back to you. I'm sure you have some sort of a rant. Let me throw one more Baker Mayfield thing that I learned. You know, he had that horrific Monday night performance. 8 for 22, only 100 yards two interceptions, a quarterback rating of 13.4. As I understand it, Mark, if a quarterback takes the ball and throws it against the ground every single passing play, he gets a quarterback rating of 29.0 for the game. (laughs) Mayfield had a quarterback rating of 13.4. So if he would have grounded the ball a la Uncle Rico for 20 times, he still would have had a higher quarterback rating. And that might tie into your rant in regards to uh, the Cleveland Browns team.
1: Well, Victor, that might be the stat of the week with Baker Mayfield. Are you telling me that he missed the ground (laughs) on a few of those attempts (laughs) 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 to fall below that 29 quarterback rating mark? But it does lead us to our rant of the week. And Jeff, if you will, set us up on our rant of the week.
0: And now, this week's rant from Mark
1: and Victor. Victor. And while we're on the subject of our Cleveland Browns, let's take it right to the top to head coach Freddie Kitchens, a coach who is the perfect epitome, much like Chip Kelly at UCLA, much like Manny Diaz at the Miami of Florida Hurricane football program, of being a Peter principal, a coach who was elevated from an offensive coordinator who has no clue what he's doing as a head coach with a football team, especially in the National Football League. The Browns are being outcoached each and every game, and it's apparent on the field here. We saw that last week when they were just totally destroyed in the Monday night football game against San Francisco. It was Baker Mayfield's worst game in his career. I'm talking going back to high school, his worst game in his career. Victor ran some of those horrid numbers by you and what he did. And I'm going to share this with our listeners out there. This comes from the Texas Tornado, one of our devote listeners, both here on the podcast and a Playbook subscriber. And he sent this email to me this morning here, and I have to share this with our listeners out there. And it's part of a, what he learned and what I learned, and we could have we could have done that in that opening segment. This is still the segment. We're now we're on the rant portion of it. But last week, Houston quarterback Deshaun Watson He completed 28 of 33 passes for 426 yards, his career high, had no turnovers, and a perfect passer rating of 158.3. That's kind of on the opposite end of the passer rating ladder as opposed to what we saw from Baker Mayfield last week. The main reason that Watson was able to uh, put up these career best numbers was two things. Number one, he was sacked zero times. He was only hit once in the football game, and that's a rarity, for uh, in a league that a team that led the league in sacks last year didn't happen at all in this football game on Sunday for the Houston Texans. The other part of it is he was coached up as the Texas Tornado says. Unlike Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield with the Cleveland Browns, and one of Mayfield's biggest weaknesses this season has been holding onto the ball far too long. Now, whether it's the offensive line that's not affording the protection, the bottom line here is it took Watson 2.48 seconds to get the ball out last week. Baker Mayfield's been living well over three seconds to do just that. It's resulting in a myriad of sacks, and uh, miscommunication plays with his wide receivers here, and I put it all squarely on Freddie Kitchens. He needs to have a head coach on the sidelines along next to him. He cannot do both things. He cannot be the offensive coordinator that he was last year and a head coach that he is this year. It's impossible for him to keep calling the plays and being a head coach. It's turning out to be an ultimate disaster for the Cleveland Browns, and something needs to be done immediately. That's my take on the Freddie Kitchens situation. Victor, how about you joining in on this rant and how you see the situation with the Cleveland Browns?
2: Well, if we're talking NFL hot seats, obviously Mr. Gruden of Washington uh, had the hottest seat and was number one on the list and is now off the list. Uh, But NFL hot seats right now, Freddie Kitchens has squarely got to be guy number one. I would also submit to you. The Falcons' Dan Quinn, and it's partly about their 1-4 and record, is probably on the hot seat. I also might throw in a first-year coach up in the Big Apple, and that would be Adam Gase of the New York Jets. But back to the Browns, uh, the Browns have to realize what their identity is on offense. And it's not a Odell Beckham-led team. It's a strong, extremely strong running team. They got another great running back coming back in a couple of weeks in Kareem Hunt. They've already got Nick Chubb. So the Browns have to understand what they are on offense. And that is a team with a fantastic one-two punch at running back who does some occasional play action passing. Uh, they got uh, uh, you know too many people in the kitchen in regards to OBJ. I would not be surprised if the Browns actually traded OBJ away at some point this season and built their team around the two running backs, around Jarvis Landry, around the tight end that they got coming back next year in the Joku, around Miles Garrett, around the good defensive backfield. This is what the Browns team needs to be. And there's not enough targets for a guy like OBJ in that kind of Browns team. Uh, one more thing. The guy I wanted all along in terms of the Browns head coach was a guy who was lobbying for the job for over a year. He is now the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm talking about Bruce Arians. Uh, He was head coach of the Cardinals from 2013 to 2017. He served as offensive coordinator to the Browns, the Steelers, the Colts. He actively campaigned for the Cleveland job, after he left the Arizona Cardinals in 2017, is now doing what I think is a very good job in Tampa Bay. Uh, His his mantra in uh, his uh, coaching philosophy can be basically summed up in his one phrase, which is when he says, no risk it, no biscuit, you can't live scared. He brought Todd Bowles on as defensive coordinator. Tampa Bay is making a move this is the guy the Browns should have hired uh, instead of Freddie Kitchens.
1: Victor, I couldn't agree. It's spot on. I was a big Bruce Arians fan. I've been for the longest time. The Browns didn't opt to hire him because he felt he was generationally too old for this football program. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And they went with Freddie Kitchens instead, which is proving to be a massively huge mistake. Uh, In that same vein of what you mentioned here about this running attack for the Cleveland Browns, It goes hand in hand with the old Bill Parcells theory, and our good friend Charles, who puts our publication together for us, his son-in-law plays in a band called Morgan Wallen, and they have a song called "Run the Damn Ball." That's their mantra, (laughs) and those are hats that they wear. Run the damn ball. And that would fit perfectly, but they should be wearing it on the sidelines with the Cleveland Browns as well. I agree with everything that you said as far as the condition, the situation with the Browns is concerned. And before we move on into our first commercial break here, I want a quick note on Jay Gruden. And just uh, just to further embellish on uh, the ugliness of Dan Snyder, I don't know if our listeners know this or realize this out there, but when they fired him uh, Monday morning this of this past week here, they called him into their office at 5 a.m. in the morning to tell him that he was fired that's about as low as you can possibly go to reach out to an individual that that you've really put all your faith and trust in to have him to expect him to be in your office at 5 a.m. sharp only to tell him that he's fired that's the classlessness of Daniel Snyder, and everything that's going on with the Washington Redskins. I'll put the lid on this year, on this week's rant and close it out with that and only hope that the Cleveland Browns end up making some changes, which are dearly, dearly needed. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to move on to our college football game of the week. We've got that Red River rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas we'll talk about when we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Scrap.
3: It's time to experience the all-new Playbook Experts VIP Experience. Only the Playbook Experts VIP experience offers We Pay the Juice Conflict Game Notices Tokens Bonuses SMS Alerts And Genius Game Alerts It's the only customer experience of its kind To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP Log on today at playbook.com Or call toll-free for more information At 1-800-PLAYBOOK Become a VIP this football season With your Playbook Experts VIP membership
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread in this week's NFL and college football cards. It's time once again for our college football game of the week, and as we do almost annually on the show, it's the Red River rivalry taking place this week in Dallas, Texas. And with that, we'll take a view at the Texas Longhorn-Oklahoma Sooners matchup this weekend. Victor, how do you see this Red River rivalry shaking out on Saturday?
2: One, the Red River rivalry it always begins just about at 12 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock local time down there in Big D at the Cotton Bowl. It's part of the State Fair of Texas. I know it's a little bit of an early start because most of us who are down there to watch the game, they've probably been partying down in Big D late night on Friday night. So it probably means getting up a little bit earlier on Saturday, maybe tossing back a couple of Bloody Marys, maybe a little uh, chicken fried uh, steak and egg breakfast type thing, and then we head to the Cotton Bowl, where Oklahoma opened up as at about a 10-point favorite. or up to about 11, 11 and a half. There has been a little bit of uh, steam on the Sooners, with the line now up in that range. As far as the over-underline, they really couldn't have set it too much higher. It opened at 74 and a half. It's now up to 75 and a half. And yeah, if that number sounds big, it is, even for college football. Yeah, there's been a couple of big 12 games uh, that we've seen in the past couple of seasons that get into the low eighties. But heck, you can't get much higher than an over-underline of 75 and a half. Number one, in terms of weather concerns, there should be none down there. Big deal, sunny, 55 to 60 degrees, winds about 6 miles an hour, 0% chance of rain. And it, it's been a pretty high-scoring series. Six of the last nine meetings between these two teams, the Sooners and the Longhorns, have gone over the total and by an average margin of plus 87 points per game. Of course, last year, the regular season meeting between these two teams went over the total by 33 points. The line was 60. Texas pulled off the upset 48 to 45. Uh, As a result, it's not a surprise that this week's line is the highest in the history of the series in the regular season. I point out regular season because these two also met each other in the Big 12 title game last year. And the over-under line was actually 80 in that game, a game in which Oklahoma won by 12 points, 39 to 27, and went under by 14. So, yeah, there were two meetings last year. The regular season meeting went over by 33. The meeting in the Big 12 championship went under by 14 points. And based on the point spread in the over-under line, the predicted final score is Oklahoma 43.5, Texas 32 on the season. Oklahoma two two and one over under, average 72.4 total points per game. That's 53.4 in on offense, only 19 on defense. Texas four of their five games this season have gone over the total already. Average of 68.4 that breaks down to 41.8 on offense for the Longhorns, and 26.6 on defense. We already know when you take a look at uh, team stat rankings, Oklahoma, number one on offense, 643 yards per game. And yeah, that's a lot of yards. In fact, that's 70 yards higher than the next best team, which is LSU at 571 yards per game. Oklahoma also has the number two scoring offense. Texas, top 20 on offense as well. Number 19 overall in offense, number 13 in scoring offense with their 41.8 points per game, and uh, not a very good passing defense. So, no, no wonder the over under line is so high. It appears that Texas's only shot in this game, like it was in last year's regular season game, is to try and match Oklahoma point for point because they're going to be allowing their fair share of points. Of course, we got both teams now led by Heisman Trophy candidate quarterbacks. They're fun to watch. This could be a crazy rivalry. It's a fantastic uh, visual appeal. Yeah, they played in the old cotton Bowl, but it's like an anachronism that springs to life every October for this particular game when you combine the state fair and big techs and fried everything and 92,000 hard partying Oklahoma and Texas fans, it is an experience to behold down there in Big D. We're leaning over in the particular game. The bar is set high. I still think the game ends somewhere in the mid-80s, maybe a 45-41, to 44-41. to 41. Either way, it's the over or pass. And I would also suggest that if you're thinking of parlaying or teasers as well, you might want to consider the underdog plus the points and the over as well. But again, I'm seen somewhere of a final score of 44 to 41. The game goes over by seven or eight points. Again, it should be a lot of fun. We're going to have the beers cranking, and the first one is going to be cracked at 12 noon Eastern on Saturday.
1: Well, Victor, get in no duels out for me if you're going to crack open those beers to watch this football game. Uh, I agree totally with what you're saying here. And in fact, when you're taking a look at these two football teams and what they're bringing to the table this week, this this Oklahoma football team has scored 45 or more points in every game they've played. Texas has scored 36 or more points in every game they've played this football season here. I wouldn't be surprised to see the scoreboard a little bit well lit in this game as Victor leans over the total in this football contest. Taking a look at the Texas Longhorns here, they beat Oklahoma during the regular season last year 48 to 45 but then came back and were taken out by the Sooners in the Big 12 title game so it ends up being Big 12 championship playoff revenge for the Texas Longhorns as they come into this football game they happen to be statistically aside from being a well-coached team by Tom Herman they're number two in the nation in third down conversion percentage this year, which means that they've been keeping their drives alive, which they'll need to do in this game against Oklahoma, should they have a chance to upset the Sooners in the contest here. Texas-Oklahoma, as I mentioned, this wide-open offense here, number two in scoring in the nation, averaging 53.4 points per game. Uh, They also have The fifth best passing offense, which is going to go into what might be an Achilles heel for Texas as we speak right now with the Texas secondary being banged up. Uh, They were the last two football games uh, losing two stars out of the secondary here. We'll check the white the wires to see whether or not anybody comes back. But that could be Texas's soft spot with this Oklahoma passing offense into the Texas secondary. But keep an eye on the injury list as we move forward into the football game. We do note this though in this rivalry when Texas has played Oklahoma in the past, in when they, Oklahoma comes into the rivalry and they're allowing 18 or more points per game on the season as they are this year, they're just two and nine to the spread in this Red River rivalry matchup here. Bottom line to me, as I mentioned about Tom Herman being an excellent head coach, he's outstanding as an underdog as we've often alluded to on the show in the past. In the 16 games he's been a head coach. Both with Houston and Texas, he's won 10 of those games straight up as an underdog. 13-3 and 3 to the spread, and in fact, he's a perfect 5-0 and 0 to the spread as a double-digit dog. With that, I'll take the points with Texas with that big revenge chip on their shoulder for my side in this Red River rivalry game on Saturday. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our NFL game over the week. We've got a beauty inside the NFC Conference. And we'll also hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Esco when we're back with more here shortly on Mark Lawrence against the spread.
0: All new Playbuck's tokens are here.
3: If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Andy's statistical and fundamental take on every week's football card is comprehensive and visionary. Many say it's like money in the bank check out the new issue every week at the logicalapproach.com. see what winning football information is all about at the welcome
1: back everybody this is mark lawrence along with victor king as we go against the spread and this week's college and pro football card it's time for our nfl game of the week and we've got a beauty on tap when the Minnesota Vikings play host to the Philadelphia Eagles in a matchup of two prospective playoff teams this Sunday in Minnesota. Victor, how do you see the Vikings and the Eagles shaking out in this contest?
2: I'm glad you chose this game as our NFL game of the week. Two very, very good teams and a uh, game that we talked about in this week's Totals tip sheet newsletter. In fact, it's a monkeys under of the week in the newsletter. And after, Dropping a game in week one, it's been now four consecutive wins in a row, four and one on the season for monkeys under the week. And we're indeed going under in this particular game, Philadelphia, Minnesota, a game that opened at 44 points. And the interesting line movement is that it has not moved off the 44 points, despite the fact that 70 to 75% of the early public tickets are on the over. So when we see a disparity like that, one can assume that the 30% of the wagers that are on the under are higher dollar wagers. So again, the fact the line has not moved off the 44, despite a high percentage of uh, over money from the public, kind of tells me that we're on the right side with this game going under the total. Philadelphia 3-2 and two over under on the season, Average line for the Eagles, 46.2. And average points scored in Philadelphia games, 50.4. So their average game has gone over by plus 4.2. Minnesota, uh, as good as an under team as there has been in the NFL over the last couple of seasons. One and four over under on the season for the Vikings. Average line, 43. Average score, 37. Their average game has gone under the total By six points, almost a full touchdown game. What we like about this one is the fact that it's the only game on the week six schedule featuring two top ten defenses. Minnesota, number four on the season. Philadelphia, number ten on the season. And the Eagles will not be back at home again until November as this starts a three-game road trip for Philadelphia. This happened a couple of weeks ago when I believe it was the uh, Packers starting a three-game road trip in week two. And that game went under the total. And our database tells us that NFL underdogs of less than 14 points played in the first of three straight road games in a row, like the Eagles, have gone 90% under the total since the 2014 season. I realize that Philadelphia is starting to get into a groove offensively. They've scored, what, 34 and 31 points in their last two games. That's okay by me because the database tells me that in NFC conference games, non-division road dogs who scored 31 or more in each of their last two games have gone a perfect 0-9 over-under, dating all the way back to the two 2000- thousand and 10 seasons. So both these teams off solid uh, convincing wins last week. The Vikings won by 18 over the Giants, a game in which we were under and cashed a nice one there. Philadelphia won by 25 points over the New York Jets. And that sets up this situation in the database. Not a big sample size, but still 0-7 over under in the last three years. All NFL games in which both teams are off a straight up win of 17 or more points, and of course, that applies in this particular game. Up next week, we have big divisional road games for both teams. Philadelphia will be at Dallas. Minnesota will be at Detroit. And uh, we'll close with this little situation from our database, which has gone now 2-14 over-under since 2012, non-division Home favorites of less than two touchdowns when both teams have a division road game the next week. We're going under the total. Your number of 44 is right out there for you. I would not wait. I see the line coming down a point, maybe a point and a half to the 43 or 42 and a half. So as long as the line out there is currently at 41, it's full speed ahead. And in fact, it's monkeys under of the week Eagles versus Vikings.
1: Victor goes under the total following a monkey's under total of the week play in the big Vikings-Eagles football showdown game this Sunday. And taking a look at this matchup, as Victor mentioned here, I think it's probably the most attractive game on the National Football League card, especially given the fact that both of these teams are likely to be playoff teams this year. But sometimes when you've got an attractive matchup, It doesn't necessarily mean that there's a good handicap in the game. Because when you can make cases for both sides of the football teams, it makes it extremely difficult to pull the trigger on either side. And that just may be the case in this game. Let me tell you and explain exactly why here. Looking at the Philadelphia Eagles in this contest here, who got out this uh, really good start to begin the football season, but then hit uh, a bad spell uh, when they won their opener against Washington, Probably not so handily by only five points. In retrospect, it was not that good of a win. Then they lose at Atlanta and lose to Detroit, but bounce back nicely with wins and covers in their last two football games. So they're now three and two in the football season and set to make their move. The Minnesota Vikings are a football team coming into this contest that missed out on the playoffs last year despite having a winning record. And you know that doesn't sit well with head coach Mike Zimmer. They also are three and two on the football season, making this game. Vitally important to both teams because the winner moves on and the loser falls back to 500 on the season and begins their uphill climb. Taking a look at the Philadelphia Eagles in the contest here, they've been really good as non-division dogs uh, under head coach Doug Peterson. 11-6 straight up as the dog, 13-4 to the spread in this particular role. The problem they're going to have in this game is containing Delvin Cook in this running game. He busted loose for over 200 yards on the ground last week. And the reason I mention this is when Philadelphia allows 160 or more rushing yards in a game, they're only 1-9 in nine to the spread the last 10 times doing just that. The Vikings are averaging 166 rushing yards a game on the season thus far this year. The Achilles heel for the Vikings has probably been Kirk Cousins, their quarterback who hasn't really lived up to the billing for being the high-ticketed free agent quarterback that he signed on for when he came uh, over to the Vikings. In his career, he's taken a bad rap against winning football teams. He's 24-14-1 straight up against losing teams. But when Cousins has gone up against winning opponents, he's only 9-22-1 straight up. 13-18-1 13, 18, and 1 to the spread, so he's had difficulty stepping up when the competition gets hot and the heat turns on. But in his career, Kirk Cousins against Philadelphia. I remember back in his days with Washington, he faced them twice a year. He's five and three straight up and six and two to the spread, so he's fared pretty well against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, again, the bottom line to me is It's difficult making a case for both sides in a football game, but when push comes to shove, you put a gun to my head, I'd yell Minnesota Vikings in this football game. Probably because Mike Zimmer, also known as the NFL ATM machine, the winningest coach in the National Football League when it comes to beating the spread, he's an outstanding 20-2 straight up, 19-2-1 against the spread as a non-division home favorite. Those was a pretty awesome number in this football game that will keep me out of any thoughts I have of taking the points with the Philadelphia Eagles in the game. My lean would be to the Minnesota Vikings. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show, And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments as we get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And if you haven't done so yet, guys, I encourage you to log on to the website, TheLogicalApproach.com, and download your copy of this week's Logical Approach football newsletter. Andy gets into it really finely in detail as he separates the fine line in the National Football League between parody and mediocrity. And when you read this article, you'll have a better understanding about what the difference between parody and mediocrity is. Andy does a great job with this weekly newsletter. I encourage you to get online and download a copy of that newsletter this week. Andy, how's everything going for you in Las Vegas these days?
4: Mark, everything is going well. We're rapidly approaching the one third part of the NFL season. Uh, it seems every year we say it that the season goes by so quickly. But the good thing about being at least this deep into the season is that the statistics that we've accumulated on these teams are a lot more meaningful. We've started to learn uh, and form opinions about the strengths and weaknesses and been able to go inside the stats as you like to do and break down the performances against good teams, bad teams and very mediocre teams to try and get a sense of what patterns these teams have shown this season.
1: Well, that really puts us in a position to uh, make ourselves better handicappers doing just that. Andy, you do a great job each and every week in your Handicapping and in your Logical Approach newsletter. And I love your article today, as you mentioned here, about the fine line in the NFL between parity and mediocrity. And once again, I encourage our listeners to log on to the website and download this week's newsletter. Andy, we've been talking a lot about what's going on in the contests in Las Vegas. I remember last week when you mentioned that uh, the superstar that people have gotten out to in the Superbook Contest in Vegas, 19-1. My goodness, for the first four weeks. Uh, were those pace that are still on a track last week, or did they, did they begin to come back to the norm?
4: Well, 19-1 and 1 is a uh, 95% success rate, so that's almost <laughs> impossible to sustain. Uh, nonetheless, there are two co-leaders of the Super Contest Classic. That's the original long-running contest that has the $1,500 entry fee. There are actually two contestants right now at 23-2. and 2. That works out to a percentage of 92%. So they're slipping a little bit, but it's just amazing. 23-2, and two, five weeks into the season. Good enough for a three-game lead over the next three contestants who are tied at 20-5. That's 20 out of a possible 25 points. And it continues to uh, show that at least 100 contestants or more. Slightly over 100 contestants of the more than 3,300 have 17.5 points or more, which works out to a percentage of 70%. Now, 100 is still a very small percentage of the overall field. It's about 25 to 3% of the 3,300-plus 3, contestants. But still, in raw numbers, that's a pretty amazing number uh, that contestants have hit so well. And what makes it even more remarkable is if you look at the point spread records of the NFL teams, there's really only one team that you would have made money betting on or against each week, and that's the Miami Dolphins, who are 0-4 against a point spread. Every other team has at least one point spread win or one point spread loss. So it's not as though you could say, well, we're just going to either go with or go against a certain team, until they reverse direction at least once. It hasn't been that way. Each team has, at least as I mentioned, other than Miami, at least one point spread success and one point spread loss. So it's truly remarkable to see that kind of number leading the contest. And before we go into any more details, I'll just compare that to the leaders in the Superbook uh, Gold Contest. That's that $5,000 winner-take-all fee, uh, entry fee. The leader there is 19. And six, which is still an outstanding 76% uh, success rate. And in the circuit contest, the leader is at 20.5 out of 25 points. So still some very good results at the top of these contests, but 23 and 2, I believe, is an all time record through five weeks, much as I thought 19 and 1 was an all time record through four weeks. Probably can't be sustained. And I say probably because it's extremely likely, but it's not impossible. As long as the percentages are not zero, 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 as far as the possibility. Unlikely, but possible, even though that possibility is remote. But we said that last week.
1: Wow, a good start, obviously, for people in the Superbook Classic. Contest uh, thus far. So, Andy, how's everything going in the gold contest? That's the contest where people pony up $5,000 in a winner take all. And I know the amount of entries were down just a titch this year from last year. How are things looking at this point of the uh, football season in the gold contest?
4: Well, as I mentioned, there are three contestants tied for the uh, lead with 19 and six records. But let me go back and just uh, do our our usual review of the consensus plays in uh, each of the contests in the Super Contest Classic contest. Uh, the consensus this past week was three and two. They had point spread winners with Minnesota, uh, New England. And uh, the Green Bay Packers, the two-point spread losers, were the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Chicago Bears. The Bears, the number one uh, selection this past week, 1,299 of the 3,300-plus 3, contestants were on the Bears for the season. 14-11 for the consensus, and uh, compared to recent years, that's actually pretty good uh, with a winning record five weeks into the season. The Super Contest Gold that you just alluded to, uh, the uh, consensus this week, Uh, The top five, two, two and one winners with the Vikings and the 49ers losers with the Bears and the Bucks. And the one push was with the Ravens, who are the number five choice with their three point line and their three point push against the Pittsburgh Steelers Uh, for the season, 17, uh, 11 and uh, two in that contest. If I've got my numbers correctly, that would uh, add up to the. I'm uh, sorry no, 17 11, and one reason it adds up to more than 25 is that there were a couple of weeks in which there were ties for the fifth most uh, popular selection in the circuit contest the new contest on the scene this year the consensus this week uh, three and two the consensus winners uh, Minnesota the 49ers and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers who were getting three and a half in that contest as opposed to the plus three in the super contest the two losers the bears again a very popular choice the most popular choice in the circuit contest and the other one was the tampa bay bucks another very popular uh, selection in all three contests so overall for the year in the super contest uh, classic The overall record, 34, 41, and 2. So they've got some catching up to do to get back to 500. In the Super Contest Gold, their overall record, and that's the one with the $5,000 entry fee, 40, 34, and 2. So they're showing a nice little profit, and uh, the situation is uh, similarly in the Circuit Contest, 41, 35 and one that's a profit what is interesting and I'll note this in all three contests is when the most popular or the more popular side in a specific contest is on the underdog in the huge contest 18 and 15 for those underdogs when you get down to the super contest gold the underdogs in that contest 27 18 and one that's 60 percent when the more popular side is the underdog and in the circuit 23. 12 and 1. So in the smaller field contest where you have a lot more sharper money as a percentage of the overall pool, uh, when the selections in a game is on the underdogs, they've done extremely well f- through the uh, first 5 weeks of the season and taking a look at the Golden Nugget contest, a contest that combines NFL and college sides, the leader out of a possible 36 points. There are two contestants tied at 26 points, another tied at 25, and three more at 24 and a half. So uh, that's working out to that uh, 26 and 9 out of 35 is a very healthy, better than 72% winning percentage uh, five weeks into uh, uh, that combined college and pro contest.
1: Sounds like a lot of winning going on in the major contest in Las Vegas this football season here. We'll see whether or not these leaders can maintain that pace. Uh, Andy and I are probably going to bet against that, but the bottom line is It's good news while they're winning, and everybody is walking around with a lot of smiles on their face these days in Las Vegas. We're visiting with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, I know our listeners would like to know what major line moves you've seen as far as uh, the National Football League goes this weekend. If you would, perhaps maybe a little bit of a look ahead to the advanced lines that the Westgate put out for football games next week.
4: Sure. Let's take a look at the line moves that have occurred for week six. That's the week that uh, gets underway with the Giants at Patriots game. And in fact, that's One of the more interesting, one of the bigger line moves of the week. Again, we're comparing these moves to what these lines were prior to the playing of any games of week five. So basically, we're looking at a little bit over a week. Tuesday uh, of uh, of last week, October 2nd, these lines came out. And for the Thursday night game this week in week six, the New England Patriots were 14-point favorites at home against the New York Giants. Well, we saw the uh, Giants step up in class last week and lose badly to the Minnesota Vikings. And meanwhile, the Patriots uh, continue to roll with that 33-7 to win on the road at Washington, overcoming a slow start to the game, but still managing to win and cover the double-digit point spread. When this line originally came out a week ago Tuesday, the Patriots were 14-point uh, home favorites. When the line came back up on Sunday afternoon after those aforementioned Sunday results, the Patriots were 16.5-point home favorites. And uh, over the last few hours, and I expect it to continue uh, right up to kickoff, Patriots up to 17-point home favorites. I would imagine that'll be the tipping point that if the line uh, uh, moves back, if the line moves, I don't know that it'll go above 17.5. I think the Sharps will be very happy to take that key number of 17 and uh, let the the betters uh, play a little tug-of-war back and forth between 16.5 and 17. Other significant moves, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens, the look-ahead line that you could actually bet, had Baltimore an 8.5-point home favorite after this past Sunday's actions with Baltimore winning in overtime at Pittsburgh and uh, Cincinnati uh, losing uh, in their game at home to Arizona. The battle between a pair of winless teams, Cincinnati remains winless. That line came back up with Baltimore a 10.5-point home favorite, and the line has moved up to Baltimore, minus 11. Seattle at Cleveland is an interesting game because a week ago, the Cleveland Browns were two-point home favorites against Seattle. Seattle, of course, played a couple of nights after these lines came out, and they eked out a 30-29 to home win over the Los Angeles Rams in a game that fell one. The line was one or one and a half, so they basically played according to expectations. And, of course, uh, the line came up on Sunday afternoon after uh, the, all the action uh, for the day games, Cleveland was still a two point home favorite. Then they took the field on Monday night against San Francisco and played one of their ugliest games of the year, following their best game in many years, a week earlier, as a result, when the line came back up on Tuesday morning, Seattle was now the one point, uh, road favorite, uh, looking at, uh, Kansas city hosting Houston, Kansas city, of course, being upset, on Sunday night by the Indianapolis Colts. Last week when this line came out, the Westgate had Kansas City an eight-and-a-half point home favorite over the Texans. The Texans, uh, with their very impressive performance Sunday against uh, at Atlanta, Kansas City, of course, yet to play Sunday night when that line came out. Uh, Kansas City down a tick, largely based on Houston's uh, performance, seven-and-a-half. Kansas City goes out, uh, lo- loses outright to Indianapolis where the Colts, Uh, Basically controlled uh, the game with that tremendous running attack, 45 rushes for 180 yards, slowing down uh, that Kansas City offense for the first time in in a couple of years. When that line came back up on Monday morning, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs were down to five-point favorites after being more than a field goal higher than that. A week ago, a couple of more Washington at Miami. This one's interesting because again, it matches two of arguably the three worst teams in the league. You can put the jets in there as well amongst that trio. Uh, last week, the Washington Redskins were, and I guess this was a bit of a surprise, six and a half point road favorites at Miami, despite both teams looking horrible, although the Redskins maybe not as horrible yet after Sunday's action where Miami had its best Sunday of the season because they were on a bye, and Washington ended up uh, in, in their game, Uh, Not putting forth another very good effort, losing of course to the best team in football, the Patriots. There was a huge adjustment in that, going from six and a half down to three and a half, despite the fact that the Redskins lost by double digits, and the fact that Miami didn't lose, didn't play, didn't play at all, of course, as I mentioned. And of course, you had the uh, firing of the coach. That line remains Washington a three and a half point uh, road favorite. Finally, the 49ers at the Rams. Uh, The Rams uh, coming off of Thursday night's loss at Seattle, as I mentioned earlier. The 49ers coming off of their impressive Monday night win uh, against Cleveland. A week ago when this line came out, the Rams were five-and-a-half point home favorites. Uh, After Thursday's game, uh, which uh, uh, the Rams, uh, again, played well in losing by a point, the line came back up on Sunday afternoon for uh, this week's game. Rams were down to four and a half point favorites. And after San Francisco looked as impressive as they did against Cleveland Monday night, when the line was put back up on Tuesday morning, it was down another point uh, to where the Rams are three-and-a-half-point home favorites against the unbeaten uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Taking a look at the games for Week 7, that's a week uh, ahead after uh, uh, this weekend uh, of play, Uh, Thursday, October 17th, the Thursday night game, Kansas City at Denver, Chiefs, four and a half point road favorites. Sunday, October 20th, Arizona at the New York Giants, Giants three point home favorites. Indianapolis, a one and a half point home favorite against the division rival Houston Texans. Buffalo hosts division rival Miami, the Bills 15 and a half point home favorites. An NFC North matchup, Minnesota at Detroit. This game has opened a pick em. Oakland uh, returns from its bye and plays its fourth road game uh, or fourth game away from Oakland in succession, the fourth of five such uh, games away. They are at Green Bay that plays Monday night. Green Bay, a seven point home favorite against what we have to say, the very surprising Oakland Raiders for them to be three and two at this point with wins at Indianapolis and against Chicago, a pair of playoff teams from last year. Very impressive. Jacksonville at winless Cincinnati, or currently winless Cincinnati, the Jaguars three-point road favorites. The Rams on the road at Atlanta. Rams four-point road favorites. San Francisco will be at Washington, the 49ers' huge eight-and-a-half-point road favorites in the nation's capital. The Los Angeles Chargers will be at Tennessee. This game has opened, maybe a bit surprisingly, considering the way both teams have played, this game has opened as a pick'em. Baltimore at Seattle, this homestanding Seahawks, a four-point home favorite. New Orleans Saints at Chicago, where the Bears are three-point home favorites. Of course, the Bears will be coming off their bye week. A great NFC East divisional matchup for next Sunday night, October 20th. Dallas hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Dallas two-and-a-half point home favorite. So we'll see if anybody will be tempted to lay the two-and-a-half before this week's action, uh, and uh, we see what this line comes back up Sunday afternoon. Monday night, October 21st, rematch of an earlier season game, the New York Jets hosting the New England Patriots. I haven't checked this morning yet to see if a line has been put up for this game because Sam Darnold's status was unknown. He's now been cleared to play and uh, will be – Uh, in action this week in their contest against Dallas. So there was no line put up on that one. And as I'm looking right now, I'm uh, not seeing any action on this one. So we won't get an indication on what that line will be until it actually comes up this coming Sunday afternoon.
1: Andy Isco with a review of the line moves and an advanced look at the lines next week from the Westgate in Las Vegas, in the National Football League side of things. And Andy, before I get your complimentary play on the show this week, I know Victor's got a question he'd like to run by you as well.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to get Andy's opinion on the outcome of the Sunday night, Monday night games from a sportsbook perspective. I would imagine that they were on cloud nine on Tuesday morning with Kansas City, a double-digit home favorite. Losing not just against the point spread on Sunday night, but losing the game outright. I would imagine that it being the last game on the Sunday schedule, that a ton of exotics, ton of parlays, ton of teasers were killed. Not to mention that betting a money line parlay is big these days. That was killed with the chiefs losing outright. And then on Monday night, Andy, one of those rare cases in which the Cleveland Browns were a public underdog. You don't see it very often in a nationally televised game. Usually it's the public betting the favorite and betting the over. I would imagine the sportsbooks were thrilled with KCA losing outright at home and then B, San Francisco destroying the Browns on Monday night.
4: Well, I'm not quite so sure, Victor, about the Monday night game because that line actually went up to five after opening at four and dropping as low as three earlier in the week. So I think there were a lot of sharp people on the, uh, San Francisco 49ers. I think the public continues to be fascinated with Cleveland and deservedly so heading into Monday night's game, given their performance, uh, the week before when they took Baltimore to the, uh, uh to the woodshed. So I think it was a case of sharps versus, uh, uh, the public, uh, on, on Monday night, but your, your observations about the Sunday night contest are, are exactly correct. And that is when you you have a very popular team, a high-scoring team, not only losing outright, but keeping the game under the total, as was the case as well. The books did very well, because as you correctly point out, a lot of the earlier Sunday action tied into parlays, teasers, money plays, side and total over Kansas City side and the over. Uh, almost everything that was alive on Sunday night came down except for those people. And again, it would have been more of the Sharps and the professionals who would have taken the generous double-digit points with the Indianapolis Colts. But uh, remember, the Sharps generally do not get involved in playing parlays. The parlays and the parlay exposure is mostly due to public betting. As a result, the books were very, very pleased uh, with the results Sunday night. I think they didn't do too badly on Monday, especially with the game staying under the total, as we've talked about before. The public loves the over. The professionals love the under. And and uh, on, on situations such as Monday night games, isolated games, the public money you know, significantly outweighs uh, the sharp uh, Uh, individual large wager bets.
1: Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas going over what's happening in Las Vegas as far as the National Football League side of things are concerned. And with that Andy, fresh off your win with the Buffalo Bills last week I know our listeners would love to know what you got on tap for your complimentary play this week.
4: Well, I'm going to go to the game between the uh, Dallas Cowboys and the the New York Jets. And if you take a look at Dallas' season this year, they've beaten up the teams that they should have beaten. In fact, if you look at the combined record of the teams that uh, uh, Dallas has played, uh, you'll find that uh, that, that th- their uh, combined record is one of the weakest in the leagues playing Washington, uh, as they did earlier in the season, uh, Miami, and I'm um, uh, blanking on the third team that they played that they won pretty easily against. And then when they stepped up in class the last two weeks, losing this past Sunday to Green Bay, and then losing uh, uh, the game the uh, the week earlier against uh, New Orleans, uh, they fell short. Uh, they're going up against the New York Jets team that does have its starting quarterback Sam Darnold back, but has some very ugly statistics. In fact, this is a matchup on a yards per play basis of the number one team. In the uh, NFL, and that's Dallas averaging a little bit more than seven yards uh, per play against the uh, New York Jets, who have the uh, weakest in the NFL. That's 3.2. By the way, let me mention, just get back to finish up that thought earlier. Uh, the, uh, the, Gi- the Cowboys beat the Giants. Redskins and Dolphins are a combined 2-12. and 12. Their two losses have been to the Saints and Packers, who are 8-2. and two. So you've got a Dallas team that is stepping down in class, highly motivated to get back on track after two straight losses, and you've got a matchup that statistically points that Dallas should have their way. The one thing that the Jets do have going for them is that their defense has actually played very, very well, but with an offense that has absolutely shown no ability uh, to not just score points, but even gain yardage. Uh, they've been uh, held under 200 total yards in each of their last two games Uh, i think dallas's game plan will be to get out to an early lead force the jets into making mistakes and i think that the jets win this game uh, excuse me that the cowboys win this game by comfortable double digits wouldn't be surprised if the final score in this game is something along the lines of uh, let's say 27 to 10 something like that would seem to make sense so i'm going to lay the seven points with dallas Lar- largely because of the matchups, but also it's a good spot for the Cowboys considering the way that their season has unfolded and where it sits entering week six.
1: Andy Isco backing the Dallas Cowboys off those two losses, taking on the hapless New York Jets. He'll lay the touchdown for his complimentary play on the show this week. And Andy, once again, a great job on the show as always. We're going to wish you the very best of luck this week, and we we'll look forward to visiting with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
4: Mark, Victor, I wish you and all the listeners uh, the best of success this weekend and uh, we'll get set up to tee it up once again for uh, week seven.
1: Let's hope the ball bounces our way this weekend. He'd be good. Take care and we'll catch you next week. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away guys. When we come back we'll put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you our awesome angle of the week. And Dick and I will also share our complimentary plays when we're back with the final segment here of Mark Lawrence against the spread.
0: You need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today.
3: And now, the moment you've been waiting for from the hot South Florida sun. It's Mark Lawrence with his aw- 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 awesome angle of the week.
1: All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in college football, we call it 7x7. Seven seven. And what we're looking to do is to plan any college football underdog with a 500 or greater record in week 7 if they won 10 or more games last season and are coming off a straight-up in ATS win of 7 or more points, provided they're playing an opponent that's coming off a win. These 7x7 seven seven college football dogs who meet the criteria are now 22-5 and five against the spread since 1990. That's an 81% winning percentage, and our play this week will be on the Florida Gators taking the points against LSU for our 7 times 7 awesome angle play on the show this week. And with that, let's hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what he's got on tap this week. And Victor, once again, if you would, let our listeners know about the Red Hot Totals chip
2: sheet. Can do. It's newsletter Nirvana time of the season at Playbook. Major, multiple newsletters the Playbook newsletter, Midweek Alert newsletter, the Totals tip sheet newsletter, everything available at Playbook.com. You can get on board to the uh, Wise Guy Contest as well, which now publishes a weekly newsletter also. Again, any publications available at Playbook.com. And later today, we're going to be posting our big play in the NFL this week, our four star over of the week. It'll be up later on Wednesday at the playbook.com website. Last week, it was a four star over the total down in the big easy with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, new Orleans saints over the total. They combined for 55 points as uh, Teddy Bridgewater finally got that really good quarterbacking game that we have been waiting for. And we, Cash, a nice winner in that particular game. So that'll be up on the uh, website later today. And our free play of the week, we're going back to Tuco. I know he's off a loser last week as he had the Bears, what, over 22 points in the game in London against the Oakland Raiders, a game in which Tuco thought he was basically done for when the Bears had zero points at the half. But all it takes is one high scoring quarter. In fact, Chicago had a 21-point third quarter. So basically heading into the fourth quarter, all Tuco needed was a Chicago field goal, and they did drive into Oakland territory twice in the fourth quarter once they turned over on downs, once they threw an interception. So, hey, Tuco was basically one Chicago Bear first down away from being 5-0 on the season. It's okay. We didn't expect him to win every single game, so... We'll throw that one back, but we'll come right back this week with another over as Tuco is going over the total for the San Francisco 49ers over the total of 23.5 points. On the road this week facing division rival L.A. Rams, a game in which the over underline for the game opened up at 48.5 has already jumped two full points to 15.5. But again, in our case, it's the Niners over 23 and a half points. And we're talking a Niners team that scored 24 or more in every game this season. Their offensive numbers are up by more than 10 points per game compared to last year. In fact, I mentioned that also in this week's totals tip sheet. The biggest offensive points per game risers and fallers over the last two years, and it's the San Francisco 49ers, 21.4 points per game last year, 31.7 points per game with an incredible running game, a great coach, good offensive personnel, not to mention the fact that in the last six games against the Rams, San Francisco is averaging 27.5 points per game. In NFC West same division games, the road team, is averaging 26.7 points per game in the last two seasons. On the Niners' side, NFL road teams, after a Monday night non-division win, have averaged 27 points per game. The Niners ran for, what, 275 yards in that Monday night win over the Browns. NFL teams, who ran for 250 or more in their last game, have averaged 32.0 points per game In their next game. On the flip side, there's something slipping here with this L.A. Rams defense. They have already allowed 27 or more points in four out of five games this season. And in fact, in their last 10 home games, dating back to last year, the Rams have allowed 31.1 points per game on defense. So that's your free play. Tuco's team total of the week. San Francisco 49ers over 23.5 points. We're riding our boy Tuco this week, and don't forget our four-star NFL over of the week will be available at the playbook.com website on Wednesday evening.
1: Victor rides Tuco to the winner's circle going over 23.5 points for the team total play this week, and Victor quickly, I just want to mention this to you. Uh, Our listener, one of our devout fans, Jeff Kabasiak from Canada, sent an email to us and reminded us that the one of the people that are tied for first place in the Superbook contest with an outstanding third or twenty-three and two record is named Tuco, and <laughs> I just have to wonder: is do we know whether or not Tuco put his paws down on an uh, on a uh, <laughs> on an entry in the contest? Is that our Tuco that you know of, or is it another you know,
2: Tuco? That's not our Tuco. That is, is it interesting, though, because I've gotten a couple of emails from customers who, after a 4-0 and start to the season, they felt that Tuco deserved his own Twitter page. But no, that's not <laughs> Tuco Tuco in the contest.
1: I just wanted to pass that along just uh, so our listeners out there would be attuned, nonetheless. Uh, be sure to join Victor for his four-star over totals play at playbook.com and get your hands, guys, on that red-hot totals tip sheet in time for all the NFL over under totals plays this weekend at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play on the football card this week, I want to remind our listeners out there once again to pick up your free sign-up bonus from our friends at MyBookie.ag, the only offshore sports book that I, Mark Lawrence, personally endorse. Log on today at MyBookie.ag to get your free sign-up bonus. Simply mention the passcode PLAYBOOK. That's MyBookie.ag or give them a call toll-free at one 844 866 23 Before I get to my play once again here, I want to remind our listeners that on the heels of our college football perfect system play of the year winner last week with the Pitt Panthers, I'm releasing our college football false favorite play of the year this Saturday. This card is loaded with a lot of good quality value dogs, a couple of which I see could make cases to be the favorite in the football games rather than the dog. We're documented 13-2 and 1 on this top game play. It'll be our college football false favorite play of the year. It's all part of another $99 football weekend of winners or it's included with our October Rama. To get on board, log on at playbook.com or give our office a call toll-free if you will. The number is 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week, we're going to go inside the Big Ten Conference and fade one of these 5-0 Fat Cat favorites. These 5-0 Fat Cat favorites have really struggled in Game 6. And with that, we're going to hop on the Nebraska Cornhuskers against Minnesota. Minnesota's gotten off to this great 5-0 start against a very suspect Opposition. If you take a look at their opponents here, the Sisters of the Poor, to say the least, for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. On the flip side, Nebraska comes into this football game expected to be a much much improved football team this year, and they've gotten out to another wobbly start, if you will. Bottom line is, wobbly as they are, they're still four and two on the football season here, and in contention to make a bowl game, which Scott Frost signed up for to do, and I think he'll do just that with his win at Minnesota this week. One great stat inside the football game in his career, Scott Frost is a perfect 8-0 and to the spread against ball-control teams that average 32 or more minutes of possession each game. He'll take advantage of that against Minnesota this week as we play Nebraska plus the points for our complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Krill Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, and for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.